Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's good to be here. Um, this is my first time coming to Plymouth. Just first time, I think. I'm not even sure ever, really. But on my way down, um, I think many years ago, when I was a kid, I think we went to um, Painton, Torquay. But somehow when, when the train was passing, I looked over the sea and some memories came back. Um, but anyway, uh, as I said, it's good to be here. And I, I just, I, I, I need to ask for um, Sue Hall and Beryl Hall. <laughs> Hi, good morning. I I've got some greetings for you from um, my sister-in-law, Florence Malcolm, Flo. She was, I'm not sure, maybe, maybe you knew her before she became my sister-in-law. Her name was Wilson. Yes. <laughs> so she sends her greetings. I will do. I will do. Yeah, she's, she, she, she speaks highly of you, of you both. It's really good. Um, and as I said, it's, it's good for me to, to be here. Um, I like to, to meet different people from different churches. And today I have a, I have a special um, message. And um, it's, it kind of links with a children's story. Um, and um, it links to my Bible as well. You see my Bible? I've got lots of Bibles, but as you can see, I've got one with duct tape along the side. Yeah? Um, Really, you know, I'm not ashamed of this. <laughs> yeah? I have many Bibles, but I've chosen to bring this one. Because, you know, we need to read our Bibles. And the more we read it, the quicker it will wear out on the spines. So I'm quite proud that I've spent time reading my Bible. And I'd like to encourage everyone to read your Bibles. I remember when I was a child, my my mother and my father bought me a Bible, and I did, you know, well, I wasn't even a child, I suppose I was maybe, well, early teens, I guess. But um, I never really read that Bible for a long time. I went to university, college, I had that Bible, and I read it a little bit, but it just, something didn't connect, but the connection came. And for that reason, I want to encourage you all to read your Bible, spend time reading your Bible. Because I know that God is real. A few years ago, um, a man, woman, and three children walked into my church in Reading, and um, it was communion. And they sat down, and it was obviously, it's quite obvious to me that they weren't used to being in the church. And they looked around and looked around, and then the communion, everyone separated for foot washing. And I saw them get up, and um, they walked out of the church, and I thought, well, I have to get out there. So I 
quickly jumped up and I went out and I thought, I'm not going to let them go. This communion may seem strange to them, but I'm not going to let them go. I, I went up to them and I, I, I said to, 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 to the man and woman, I said, you know, um, thank you for coming to our church and um, uh, where are you visiting from? And they said, well, we just got up this morning and we decided to come here. I said, do you normally go to church? No, no, we just, we just got up and decided to come here. And the children, their children were running around and they're a bit restless and, and, and they were trying to control the children as well. And I, I, I went over to the children, I stooped right down and I said, hi, how are you? And they stopped and I started talking to the children for a while and they calmed down. So I said to the woman, so you mean to say that you got up this morning and you decided to come to church, this church? Um, what made you do that? She said, I don't know. We just got up and we came. I said, hmm, that's interesting. It sounds like the Holy Spirit's been talking to you. And she said, the Holy Spirit, um, what, what's that? I said to her, um, maybe you... you do you, do you know sometimes when you get that voice, that something that's telling you to do something, and you're not quite sure what it is? And she said, oh yeah. I said, well, that's like the Holy Spirit talking to you. I said, that's why you came here today. It's interesting because um, a few years ago, um, a man walked into our church, came off the street, and I asked him, you know, we were talking and so on, and he said, well, he said, well, I, I work as a security guard. And I was working on a, a, a building site, and he said, you know, I, I have to walk around and check the building site. And he said, there was a pile of rubbish and he said, uh, one, one day I was walking past, he said, I, I, I saw this Bible. Uh, and I picked it up and I, I began to read it. And he said, he said, um, I started reading John. And after he started reading the Bible, he said, I started getting dreams about looking for a church. He said, I was looking for a church and Every church I went to, he said the big rock would fall in front of it. This is the churches in this area. He said a big, huge boulder would fall out of the sky, bang in front of the church. And he said that um, that was a strange dream. And he said, well, you know, today I was walking past, and he said, I just thought I'd come in here to, to your church. He's still with us now. That's more than five years ago. I'm going to tell you a bit more about this gentleman. You know, I was listening to a song. Um, it was an R&B, rhythm and blues song, some time ago. I was just sitting down in my house, totally relaxed. And the song's title was, I have waited all my life for you, but didn't know it. And this song got me thinking and I thought, 
I just, when I was listening to the words of the song, it's a love song, but it got me thinking about people. It got me thinking about God and people's search. And it, and it came to me that, you know what? There are many people in this world who are searching for God, but they don't even know it. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Oh God in heaven, I thank you so much for giving, giving us this time, this Sabbath morning to, to uh, look at your word, to, uh, to have this opportunity to hear the message of salvation. I pray that you'll be with us now. I pray that you'll be with me as I speak. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will come upon this church that we will all share and understand what our mission is. Amen. We are wired up to God. Whether we like it or not, it was God who created us. God who created us. Whether we want to accept it or not, we are wired up to God. The atheist will tell you that God doesn't exist. And therefore, we don't need God. But the atheist is still searching for answers. People are still looking for what they call the meaning of life. People are looking here there and everywhere. It's like a book title I've, I read from uh, Mark Finley that people are looking for God in all the wrong places. People are searching for God but they don't even know it. It's interesting how the society we live in today, especially this country, is becoming more and more secular. There are atheists, but there are also people who we can describe as agnostics. They believe that there is some form of power, but they don't believe it's God. But they're searching. Everyone is searching for something. We are God's people. Whether we are Seventh-day Adventist, Catholic or whatever, every single human being on this planet, this here planet, is a child of God. Please turn with me again to the scripture reading. Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2. Verse 8 to 11. Joshua chapter 2, verse 8 to 11. Now, this is a story of Rahab. I'm sure many of you, or all of you, know the story of Rahab um, and, this, and her situation in Jericho. We've all heard the story, haven't we? Yeah? Okay. Sometimes, I, I'm going to make this point, we've all heard the story, 
But do we really know this story? Do we really know the story of Rahab, the prostitute? Let me read the text again. And if you notice during the, the, the scripture reading, I read the reading in a certain way, and I did that quite deliberately because I want to make a point this morning. You see, the thing is, I believe that when I read the Bible, when you read the Bible, if you read it as simple text, it will be text. But if you read it in context, then you will start to learn. Then it will open up. And you have these eureka moments. And this is one of the eureka moments I want to share with you this morning. Joshua chapter 2, verse, verse 8 to 11. Before the spies lay down, for the night. Okay, so Rahab, Joshua sent two, two spies to check out Jericho. Okay, they go into Jericho, they sneak into the house of Rahab, the prostitute's house. If you read the text, the king of Jericho hears that they are there and he sends a message to her to, to bring these men out. But she sends a message back and says, listen, they were here, but they're gone now. Okay? So she is covering for them. Why? Why? She is covering for two spies, two men she doesn't even know. She's never met them before. But she's covering for them. I want you to ask yourself the question, why? She doesn't know what the future is. But there is something about Rahab, there is something about this woman that no one, no one knew about. So before the spies lay down for the night, she went up, went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you. She says, I know. How did she know? How? She says, I know that the Lord has given this land to you. Question, how did she know? And she says this so confidently, so confidently. And the great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sion and Hog, the two kings of the Amorites east of Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts sank and everybody's, everyone's courage fell because of you for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Does this sound like the words of a non-believer? <laughs> Does this sound like the words of a non-believer? Let me repeat what she says. She says, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. She says, I know, I know God has given you this land. And she says, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above 
and on the earth below. She has been converted. You see, when you think of Rahab, and when I think of Rahab, Rahab wasn't a Jew. She wasn't a Christian. Rahab never went to church. She didn't even know what church was. Rahab never, had never studied the Bible. She never went to Bible study. She never, she just simply did not have anyone to come round and do Bible studies with her. Has anyone ever done Bible studies with you? Hmm? Think about it. How was it? Did you appreciate it? Wow. And the worst thing about Rahab's situation was her lifestyle. All those men. I shall say no more. Hmm. You see, no good, upstanding Christian would want to be sin or even associated with a woman like her. No one but God saved Rahab. God saved Rahab. Why? Because she recognized God as a savior, her savior, and she gave her heart to him. We like to use the word redeemed and redemption at church, and poor, this, this word redeemed and redemption is rarely used in everyday life. But what does it mean? Redeemed means to, to gain or to regain something, a possession in exchange for payment. It also means to reclaim, recover, retrieve, or even rescue. The Bible is a story of redemption. And redemption starts in Genesis, when our first parents, Adam and Eve, lost their place in the Garden of Eden. And the story of redemption continued throughout the earth's history to the point where Jesus came and Jesus died for us to redeem us from sin. You see, the Bible is a loving story, a story of a loving God who goes all out for his people to save his people from the jaws of death, from the claws of Satan. Did you know that Satan planned Jesus' murder? Obvious? You see, that's one thing. Have you ever been manipulated? Who here has experienced manipulation? I've been manipulated. Someone's manipulated me before. Yeah? Yeah? <laughs> yeah. 
I've been manipulated. But guess what? Satan got us human, human beings to carry out that murder. He got us human beings to do his dirty work by crucifying Christ on the cross. And the worst thing about it is that we didn't even realize it. That shows you who Satan is. But you see, the good news is, and I say the good news because the Bible, the gospel, is a message of good news. You see, if you look at the Bible, you have Genesis here at the beginning. Whoa. You have Genesis here, and you have... Um, what's the last book of the Bible? Revelation. Revelation. You see, the thing is, the Bible starts here, and it, it, it kind of finishes here, but it's only the end before the new beginning. Do you get what I'm saying? The, the, yeah, revelation is not the end. Revelation is telling us about the new beginning. It tells us about the end of this situation, but it tells us about the new beginning. You see, when we get to this point in Revelation, we are looking towards a wonderful future with God. And that gives me hope, and I hope that gives you hope too. You see, in spite of Satan's dirty work, in spite of Satan's manipulation, the grave could not hold Jesus. The light that was in Jesus could not be switched off because the fire of his love for us, well, that could not be put out because Jesus is Lord of all. He is God. You know, I believe that the Holy Spirit prompted Joshua to send spies to Jericho. Yeah, that's what I believe. But Joshua didn't know the real reason behind his own decision. Why do you say that, Clive? Well, I'm saying that because God is our Redeemer, and he had a plan. If the truth be told, those young men were being sent on a rescue mission, but they didn't know it. They were being sent on a rescue mission, but they didn't know it. They were thought they were going to spy on the land, but God had sent them on a rescue mission. Why do I say that? I mean, come on. What would people say? What would the people of God say? What would they have said? If God had told them that he wanted them to go into Jericho to rescue a prostitute. It doesn't make sense. What would they have said if God had said, you need to go in and rescue a prostitute? The whole church, I mean the whole of Israel, would have been up in arms, protesting, saying, absolutely disgraceful. They'd probably say, you'd get stoned and put to death for that kind of behavior. So what on earth do you think you're going to achieve by 
going and saving a woman like that, why on earth would you want to save a woman like Rahab? But let me tell you something this morning. This is why there are things we will never understand about God. Certainly not while we're here on earth. You see, God sees what we cannot see. God hears what we cannot hear. God knows what we do not know. Remember that. God says, for the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. 1 Samuel 15 and verse 7. 1 Samuel 15 and verse 7. See, God knew Rahab had given her heart to him. And he was going to rescue her. He had a plan for her life, but he kept it to himself. He didn't tell anyone. Would God do the same for you? Would God do the same for you? I have a letter here I'd like to read to you this morning. Um, and, um, oh yes, it's from Rahab. The letter from Rahab. Would you like me to read it? Yes. Okay. She says, Dear members of Plymouth Church, I know you've read about me and how I was rescued from Jericho. And that's about as much as you know about me. But it's been in my heart for some time now to share my story with the world. My rescue wasn't just down to the fact that I made the two Israelites soldiers promise to spare my life in exchange for hiding them from the authorities. No, it was much more than that. It was because I found God for myself. I grew up in a pagan home, a pagan society. We had many gods, including gods of the spring and the harvest. And my life, my work, it's something that I wasn't proud of. I hated what I did for a living. I was a woman of the night. I know it's hard for you to even begin to understand why I did it. But I didn't have a choice. I was forced. She goes on to say, My family was very religious, but I wanted more than the gods we worshipped. I was searching for something better, but I didn't know what it was until I began to hear stories about the God of Israel, how he freed the Israelite slaves in Egypt, how he dried up the Red Sea, caused bread to fall from the sky, and how he defeated the Amorite kings. It was incredible. The stories kept coming, and the people were getting scared. It was then that I realized that the God of Israel was the one true God. As the Israelites drew closer to our city, everyone began sacrificing to the gods. I don't know why, but I began to pray to the God of Israel. 
I pleaded with him to spare our lives. There were nights when I cried, opened my heart to him, wondering if he would hear my words. I knew my prayers were answered the day I saw the two Israelite spies. I took them in, hid them from the soldiers, and made them promise me that they would spare my life and the life of my family. Praise God in heaven. He spared our lives, and I have lived to tell the story. The walls of our great city, Jericho, fell down. It was unbelievable, but God was merciful to us. He heard our prayers. Nobody forced me to go back to the work I was doing before. The Israelites would not permit it. I was freed from my past, my sins and my shame. And I knew that these were truly God's people. They were kind to us and we became part of their family. I love the Lord Jehovah because he heard my cry for mercy. He was the one that I had been searching for all my life, but didn't even know it. But I found him, he rescued me, and I will be grateful to him for the rest of my life. Yours sincerely, Rahab. Do you understand now? Do you understand Rahab's story now? You know, unlike Lot, Abraham's nephew, Rahab had nobody to speak to God on her behalf. She had no one to pray for her. Think about it. I did prison ministries for 14 years. I worked with a lot of prisoners. And there was one prayer some of the prisoners, most of these guys were between 18 and 21. And there was one prayer that sticks in my mind. They closed the prison in Reading, but there's one prayer. Some of the guys used to say, Dear Lord, please, I pray for all the people who don't have anyone to pray for them. I want to pray for all the people who don't have anyone to pray for them. There are so many people here in Plymouth in Plymouth, who don't have anyone to pray for them. There are probably many Rahabs here in Plymouth who need prayers. Your prayers, prayers from Plymouth Seventh-day Adventist Church. You see, Abraham, when he was talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. He was discussing with God about Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham asked God, if there were 50 people, would you destroy the good with the wicked? And God said, no. Abraham said, what about if there was 45? God said, no, I would not destroy that city if there were 45 righteous people. And then he went down to, 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 to 30, to 20, and he went down to 20. He, he, he finally said, if there's ten righteous people, would you spare Sodom and Gomorrah? And God said, would you destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? And God said, no, I wouldn't destroy it. So tell me about Jericho. Tell me about Jericho. 
if this is what God was prepared to do for Sodom and Gomorrah, tell me about Jericho. Rahab had no one to pray an intercessory prayer for her. No one to pray on her behalf. But thank God she had a living God in heaven who heard her prayers and her testimony. Can you imagine what it must have, must have been like, must, what it must have been going through her mind when she saw the spies come into her house? Do you think it was a coincidence that they ended up staying in her place? You see, the spies were the answer to her prayer. She knew judgment day was fast approaching and she wanted to be saved. What about you? Do you know that judgment day is fast approaching? Take a look around you. Do you want to be saved? You see, Rahab lived through a time of shaking. She said, the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. Ellen White said, we are in the time of shaking, when everything that can be shaken will be shaken. The time of shaking is now. Rahab survived the time of shaking. All the walls of Jericho fell down. Joshua and the Israelites, they walked around Jericho once, twice, and they kept on walking. And then the time came when they shouted and they played, they, they blew the trumpets. And the walls of Jericho, everything came tumbling down, crashed. Even archaeologists today, they have found a spot where Rahab's house was. It was the only... Did you know that when the walls of Jericho collapsed, do you know which way it collapsed? Normally, situations like that, the walls would fall outward. Yeah? So it means fall inwards. But the walls fell outwards, which made it easier for the Israelites to get in. It's almost like a ladder, a step, steps. It's interesting how Jericho collapsed. Archaeologists have found it. Uh, found how it collapsed. It's interesting. If, when you have time, have a look into it. But everything around Rahab was shaken to the ground. But her house stood firm. Why? Because she gave her life, her heart, and her mind to God. Her search had come to an end. She found God. God sent his mighty angels and used their mighty hands to hold up the house of Rahab. Wow, what a marvelous story. I'm concluding. You know that Rahab is mentioned in Matthew 1 verse 5 in the genealogy of Jesus yeah. if you want to find it Matthew 1 verse 5 and she's also mentioned in Hebrews 11 verse 31 
She is one of the heroes of faith. And let me tell you, there are people out there searching for God and they don't even know it. It is our responsibility to reach out to people in our community, to reach out to those around us, to help them to find what they are looking for. Let me finish with this. The guy who came to church, the one who found the Bible on the top of a rubbish heap, he continued coming to church and um, I, every Sabbath morning, I, I do a Bible study. I start Bible study at eight o'clock on Sabbath morning and at nine o'clock I do a morning devotion until 9.45 in time for Sabbath school. I don't mind getting up early and coming to church. During the Bible study time, this guy's name's Jeff. He came in one morning, walked through the door like that young lady over there, and he sat down and he said to, he said to us, the little group that we had, there was four of us sitting there with our Bibles open, he said, he said, Clive, Clive, I had this dream, okay? I had this dream that I was here in the church, I came in the church and um, I was sitting down and um, the elder was on the platform and he was preaching and he said, do you want to be baptized? And he said, I got up and, and, your, um, and one of your relatives got up and we went to the front of the church and there was this, um, he said, there was this, uh, like, there was a pool at the front of the church and he said, we, we, we went and I turned around and I said to the people who, who were there with me at the Bible study, Shh, shh, don't say anything. I said, continue. And he said, yeah. So I went up the front of the church and, and there was like, you know, like on the platform there. And he said there was this, he said there was this like um, a pool there and, and there were some steps. And he said, I went, I went down and um, I went down into the water and I was baptized. And the, the other lady that was with me, she was baptized as well. And he said, when, we came, when I came up out of the water, it was like Jesus was standing at the other side. And he was, his hands were out, and, and I started to go up, and then he disappeared in the dream finish. And I, and I said to him, Jeff, have you ever seen a baptism in this church before? He said, no. I said, um, do you know where we baptize people in this church? No. I said, have you ever watched our um, live stream broadcast when we're broadcasting services from this church? Have you ever seen the baptism? No. I said to the others who were sitting there, don't say anything. I said to him, come. So I took him from over there and we walked up the aisle here. I took him onto the platform like right here and I said, okay, I'm going to lift up the carpet. So I pulled up the carpet, wherever Baptist pool, baptism pool was, I pulled up the, the um, floorboard, and he looked at it and he said, oh yes, and the, and the tiles were the same color. 
yes, this is true. Everyone who was there was like, okay. <laughs> it wasn't long after that Jeff got baptized. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And he's still with us today. And you know what? He is out there witnessing to people like mad. He still works as a security guard. And he is witnessing to all the people that he comes in contact with. He is so enthusiastic about God. It's incredible. Let me tell you something. There are many people, many people out there who are searching for God. And they don't even know it. Don't be put off by people who say, oh, I don't want to know. Sometimes people are just too proud to want to know. Yeah? If someone says they don't want to know, pray for them. Yeah? Pray for them. Because you just don't know. If God could rescue Rahab, if God can find any of us and bring us to his throne, he will. Whatever you do, whatever you do, don't give up. Don't let anyone put you off. Sometimes when we're having morning devotion, I walk out in front of a church and I um, stop people in the street and I say, would you like for me to pray for? Is there anyone you'd like me to pray for? And people sometimes say no and people say yes. Give them a chance. Give them a chance. Suspend judgment. Search for those who are searching for God. Amen. Amen.